0: Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, yet again, our lecturer in philosophy, and here we are again, Dr. Smith. And uh, we're, we are approaching uh, Advent here, and today what we want to kind of bring into this is a, is a good discussion about a good book. Because uh, Advent's a great time to pick up some extra reading, to uh, uh, take up some sort of uh, spiritual exercise, uh, to do something to prepare our souls uh, for uh, the coming of Christ at Christmas. Um, and, it, you know, I I, I love – so the book we're going to talk about is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And one thing one thing I want to mention to our listeners is these are the books that you want to get your kids to read. These are the books <laughs> that you yourself – Uh, Want to read, because uh, if you talk to anybody that's uh, gone through some sort of uh, leaving the faith, coming back to the faith, some sort of conversion Uh or something like that, none of them in the world. And and I'm yes, I know I'm making this statement, Uh, Dr. Smith, you can criticize me. For making such a general statement, but <laughs> nobody in the history of like conversion has said, you know what? My second grade CCD book really changed my life. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. You asked what? What are
1: you <laughs> talking about?
0: Exactly. <laughs> no, you 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 ask people. <laughs> CCD textbooks are critical. <laughs> <laughs> they are of the utmost. Of, but, but when you ask people, where do they like? The of my life
1: revolves <laughs> around CCD books.
0: textbooks. Oh my gosh! Weird. The amount of time and effort. Good night. But you ask anybody, you know, what are the books that made a difference in your in your own spiritual life, in your own um, spiritual journey, things like that? Uh, 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 more often than not, people are going to say C.S. Lewis, uh, J.R. Tolkien, Frank Sheed, mm-hmm. Fulton Sheen. I mean, yeah. there's just I mean, there's just you know, uh, uh, any of the saints. Those are the mm-hmm. books that that people are going to say that they had a, a an impact on their life. Uh, you know, the Screw Tape Letters is a great great example of sure. one of those. Yeah, yeah. And, and and another one that we're going to talk about today is is The Great Divorce, and and these are the books that that uh, because they involve imagery, they involve the imagination, they involve theology, they involve philosophy, and they they bring it all uh, together very very well for the mind to grasp and the the the, the mind and the soul to enter into. Mm-hmm. And so, I just want mm-hmm. to encourage our our listeners. Uh, these are the kind of books we want we want to be reading ourselves and these are the kind of books that we should, you know, uh, uh have our have our kids read as well because these are the mm-hmm. ones that are really going to to challenge them in a good way uh right. to stretch stretch their thinking, stretch their imagination and stuff. And so, um Dr. Smith, why don't you go ahead and uh, uh set us up uh with uh with the great divorce. Maybe tell us a little bit about CS Lewis. Uh I'm sure, sure our listeners are you know, um, know of him very well. Um, right, right.
1: <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I won't spend too much time on, on just, uh, on C.S. Lewis, the man, because he, he's so well known, but just a few comments, uh, you know, he was most active during the uh, middle of the 20th century. I was leading a seminar on this book recently. And, uh, one of the participants said, uh, you know, I, I can't believe, uh, uh, how relevant this is. And it was written so long ago. Of course I'm thinking like, <laughs> You know, the middle of the 20th century is not that long ago. <laughs> it's not even a century ago. Yeah. You know? But anyway,s um, our our historical uh, perspective is very yeah. <laughs> you know, small uh, in our contemporary environment. But anyway,s um, you know he's very active. He taught at both uh, Oxford and Cambridge. He's actually a literature professor uh, above all, uh, and and a really well regarded scholar of um, early English literature. That's really where he makes his his. Um, and many people literature, his um that's his scholarly reputation. That was mm-hmm. his actual you know sort of profession. His his book writing, although he eventually became quite well known for it, uh, his popular book writing was really his secondary endeavor. Right. Um uh, and um but you know he became a great uh, well-known Christian apologist. Um it's it's really remarkable to think that he had a radio broadcast on the BBC of all things, and it was wildly popular. Yeah. Um, which shows you that I kind of robust, solid, intellectual, um, kind of uh, doctrinally rigorous, I guess what I would want to say, uh, Christianity, uh, can, you know, be, um, made attractive to modern man. Sure. Uh, but anyways, so, uh, he's, you know, <clears throat> well-regarded in his own time. And I think of his various works, um, I mean, there's so many that, uh, I've read myself. Um, I can't say that I've read all that Lewis has, has, uh, written, but, I've read most of it yeah. <laughs> so, and, and much of it many times, including the great divorce, which I think is one of his, you know, the books, you know, if you want to kind of know, like if I, it and mere Christianity are probably the two books I use the most to say, okay, you just want, you know, Christianity 101. Um yeah. here you go. You know uh, those two books together kind of give you just the baseline. Now it's not all you would want to say for sure. <laughs> right. Um, right. Because, you know, Lewis uh, famously was not a Catholic, although he had uh, small-c Catholic sensibilities, right, in the sense mm-hmm. that he had a, a broad appreciation of Christian tradition. He wasn't hostile to Catholicism right. uh, for the most part. Uh, so um, uh, he is, uh, uh, I think, a worthy author and a good um, Christian thinker. Um, and it's proven to be so, as you said. Like one of, He's one of the guys, when people come back to the faith or— find the faith, uh, convert. You very often, um, you find, you know, Lewis is somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. So let's, uh, I want to start by just kinda making a couple of general comments about the great divorce. And then we can kind of work through some of the, maybe like the first third of the text, sure. uh, in this podcast. Um, so you the, one of the questions you could ask right off the bat is what a strange title, right? <laughs> <laughs> the great divorce, right? Um, uh, you know, is this some sort of weird instruction book about how to have a good divorce? Right? <laughs> the answer is no. No, it's not. no, no. Okay. <laughs> um, rather, what Lewis is trying to do is um, uh, he's trying to, to articulate a vision of heaven and hell in which, and really sort of the Christian life and the life of sin
0: mm-hmm.
1: as two radically different ways right Right. so if you go back to the first psalm psalm number one right we get laid out for us there the way uh two ways right a way of life that's rooted in the law of god and a way of uh foolishness right Right. um a way of death right that's that leads to the opposite of god right and um to you know that leads to destruction to decline all those sorts of things and that's really what uh, Lewis is doing here. He's articulating heaven and hell as almost kind of ways, right? There's a way mm-hmm. of heaven mm-hmm. and there's a way of hell. Uh, they're two different kind of paths and they cannot coexist, yeah. right? So, you know, that bumper sticker coexist, yeah. just no. X, you know, we cannot coexist, right? Um, if I was to put this in a logical formula, I'd put H, like H and hell or L put them in parentheses and put a dash right negation right <laughs> these things cannot be had together okay? yeah, yeah um and 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 really and very importantly you can't even have a little bit of hell with your heaven right and that's that's the real kicker right is that we a lot of us want we want to go to heaven right we want to keep a little bit of hell right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like maybe in your pocket kind of hidden away a little bit um that's a problem right yep. <laughs>
0: so uh,
1: that's that's that that corrupts our, our Christian walk that corrupts our uh, the life of faith right and so what he's uh, developing here is that heaven and hell are opposites that they are contraries to each other and that the way of heaven uh, and that the way of hell are, um, are just um, they are divorced right there's right. an abyss you know, separated them. Does that make sense, Jason?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I love this title for, for, for many reasons. A, it's very, you know, provocative kind of, um, but, but to me, I mean, it, you know, the, when I first looked at it, you know, I was, the the great divorce I had in my head was the, the separation of the soul and the body. So, you know, it brought in images of death, you know, and uh, uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, while yes, you know, uh, uh, Lewis is, is, pointing uh very clearly to the the great chasm between heaven and hell and how they are so different you know i think just the title it, it can bring up all of these um uh, uh images and all of these different aspects that's that's surround the the one theme of of death and judgment mm-hmm. and heaven and right. hell and purgatory and, sure. and, and all these things and, and the other thing is you know like you were saying you know the the way of life and the way of death i mean this is you know, the, not, not just in Psalm one, but even in, you know, the earliest non-biblical Christian writing that we have, the Didache, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's how the Didache right. is laid out, you know, with, yeah. um, uh, uh, the way of life and the way of death. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, in some ways it's, it's that simple. Um, mm-hmm. you know, whereas today we just talk about faith journeys and things like that. It's, you know, <laughs> I think sometimes we, we need, we need a little bit, uh, uh, stronger, um, Stronger language, you know. It, it really mm-hmm. is the way mm-hmm. the way of life, and uh, the way of death, and the two the two do not run parallel. They do not cross and and come back yeah. and forth. Uh, uh, they are right. they are they are leading in opposite directions. They are completely right. opposed yeah,
1: a, to each other. That's a good that's a good uh, a good illustration. <clears throat> and it does uh, the 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 great divorce does bring in uh, a lot of issues about judgment, heaven and hell. Uh, the afterlife, the last things, or the ultimate things. Yeah. Um, the uh, one important uh, caveat here, and Lewis says this himself, yeah. is that this is not meant to be a theology textbook. Right. So Lewis is not in any way, and he's very explicit about this, suggesting that this is a literal or um, theologically um, systematic account of eschatology. <clears throat> In fact, he explicitly says it's a fantasy. Okay, So um, it's meant to be taken as a kind of imaginary exercise. Um, uh, And you might say, well, well, is it worthwhile then? Uh, Yes, it is. It's an imaginary exercise um, um, to teach us things about heaven and hell sort of Mm -hmm. indirectly and to teach us things about the way of heaven and uh, the way of of hell. Uh, You know, I think um, Dante's Inferno, you know, I, I probably have a more uh, physical and literal view of hell than most people, uh, but I don't think even Dante expects, you know, his <laughs> poem, right, to be taken literally in every aspect, right? right. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, and yet Dante's Inferno is a great imaginary, ex- you know, like, exercise in imagination and yeah. teaching us about the moral life and teaching us about about hell. Um, so. It's a fantasy. It's an exercise in imagination. So, what's, what are, what are, what is the imaginary scene here? And yeah. the imaginary sort of setup or framework is that the souls in hell, before the final judgment comes, have an opportunity to go on vacation. Right? <laughs> they can occasionally take a holiday, <laughs> uh, which I think is kind of funny, right? Um, and. Um, uh, um, this is, as I say, before the final judgment. Yeah. Right. So before the second coming of Christ and hell at this point in sort of like the cosmic history, mm-hmm. um, is not, um, fully hell yet. Yeah. Right. It's, great. it's almost hell. Okay. Uh, it's on the way to being full hell, but it's, 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 it's not fully hellish. Right. <laughs> if that's a word, I don't think that is a word, but maybe we'll, we'll invent one there. Um, now most of the spirits there, um, when they uh, go on vacation, they either decide not to go when they get the opportunity on vacation. Uh, they either decide not to go or they come back as ghosts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and bother people, right? Because <laughs> uh, they can't think of anything better to do, right? So one of the really humorous, and I think excellent aspects of this is, lo- is how ridiculous the damned are made to to, to look. <laughs> and it's not it's not that we're supposed to have contempt for them necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but really that it helps it, it kind of holds up a mirror, right? Yeah. In our sinfulness, how foolish are we, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how stupid uh, is is our pride, right? And those sorts of things. And Lewis does a great job oh, yeah. of just showing us the absurdity of our own sinfulness. Um, uh, and that way, I think it's just it's just a wonderful both in terms of it being funny in a kind of har- harsh way, but also, um, you know, it helps us to laugh at ourselves, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and 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 you know, shows us, as I say, the absurdity of our own sin. But some of these folks will take a bus trip. Yeah. That is, some of the damned will take a bus trip to the outskirts of heaven, right? And there, they will have an opportunity, if they wish, to stay, right? It's not easy to stay. Uh, there's some conditions, mm-hmm. Um. But they would they do they are given the opportunity to stay. And the kicker is the vast majority of them do not. Yeah. <laughs> right? The vast majority of them choose to remain in hell rather than enter into heaven.
0: Yeah, one of the one of the funny parts is uh when you're talking about how C.S. Lewis just kind of uh uh you know, he put he puts humor in there and it's it's really great. Like mm-hmm. one of the one of the ones I remember is uh uh the the those that are from uh you know hell, and they're they're on the bus and they com- they complain about everything that the bus driver does, <laughs> and they 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 complain that he won't even look at us. <laughs> and That's it's like right. he's the bus driver; he's looking forward, like <laughs> right. like they just like they they complain about just like everything yeah, it's just about just childish, this childish. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just like so <laughs> childish and petty, and C- C- Sealzoo just does a phenomenal job of of, of bringing right, that right, in and right. just you know uh in there you know and and you know going back to you know so they're at this bus stop you know and they're 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 waiting in line and and uh as the narrator's waiting there in line you know you have people that have this chance and some they make it Uh to the line and then they just decide to leave you know and they have the, the the ghosts there trying to get them out of the line and and, uh, uh, um, yeah, no, it's well, they just they they keep getting in fights.
1: Right. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that's the, that's really helpful in this, and I think just, you know, uh, um, an imaginary, an imaginary illustration, right. Of sinfulness, right. Yeah. And of our sinful character and the way sin works in us right, is, uh, in the, is, in, is in the depiction of the town, Hell, yeah. itself. So Hell is depicted as a town. And it starts off, really, like the first line, I found myself at a bus stop, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, uh, and as you say, right, uh, they're in a bus stop. And what keeps happening is what happens in the town of Hell in general they keep getting in fights. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they just can't stand. They can't even get in line, right? Yeah. Again, this is like childishness, right? They can't even stand in a bus line in a peaceable and orderly way, right? Without, you know, some, some sort of fight breaking out. And this is the, the, uh, goes with the general depiction of hell. Hell is is depicted as a, a sort of almost flat, almost endless town. That's like, I think for modern sensibilities, maybe like endless strip malls. Yeah. Right? And everything is like a two-story building. Nothing's higher or lower. There's no horizon. There's no vista, right? It's depicted as, you know, like, sometimes, like, dusk is really beautiful. Like, I love sunset, you know, yeah. sometimes. But then there's also those, those, the ones where, like, it's been cloudy all day, and it's kind of drizzled. But it's not even really cold, it's just kind of damp. Yeah. Right. You know, and you have this kind of dismal sunset, you know, um, that's kind of the depiction of this place. Right. Yeah. And one of the characteristics of it is that it's so empty, even though it's vast, right. It's hard to find anybody. That's not because hell is, is barely populated. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love, you I know, love that aspect. Why, why is the case that they can't, they, they, they don't, the, it's hard to find
0: people in hell. It's because they keep fighting and they move away from each other. They move to the next block. They move to <laughs> okay. the next block. And then they talk about other, you know, so, there are those that are so far away that if they were even trying to uh, uh, try to make it to the bus stop to get in line, it would take them light years. That's you right. know? <laughs> right.
1: So uh, very aptly, he uh, like Napoleon, right? Is yeah. in Yeah. And uh <laughs> where where he belonged. And um the uh he's way out on the outskirts, right? Like you know, like how really anybody can and some one of the ghosts says in there that they traveled out there to to see him, yeah. right? And uh but that he was just walking back and forth and shouting about what Marshall Nay didn't do or what Blucher did or Wellington did, and just walking back and it's just like he's obsessed still with like the failures of his own uh of his own life. One of the things that's interesting about the town is you could just imagine. A house and it exists mm-hmm. right yeah. And so you can just make, that's how the town keeps expanding because people will 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 fall out with each other and get into the like these kind of uh, fights and then they'll imagine a new town now what this points to I think or imagine a new home is that the way of hell right the way of sin the way of death right is a way of isolation
0: yeah right
1: that is it it, it involves broken relationship it involves uh, turning in on oneself it makes, uh, it's, a, it's a way of life um, that makes it hard to maintain friendships and connections and relationships with others um, because really of its, of its selfishness, right? So that one of the characteristics of sin is isolation, self-centeredness, that sort of thing. I think it's a powerful image, right, of the way in which, um, uh, powerful and humorous, of the way in which uh, sin separates us from others,
0: yeah, and the town the town is described it's called the gray town. So I mean it's perfect. Which yeah, yeah which again it's, it's just such a perfect title. I mean cuz you can you can quickly imagine that in your head. This mm-hmm. like you said this this town with no outstanding features um mm-hmm. that seems emptyless yet it is full of people but they're uh-huh. so isolate isolated and, and desolate that the entire town just simply takes on this this grayish tone to the mm-hmm. to to everything around that's right, it that's right, like there's yeah. nothing there's nothing shiny in it there's nothing sparkling there's nothing beautiful it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. uh uh you know and he and and what's funny is you know throughout the story the narrator tries to bring in uh um like some aspects of hope and they quickly get shot down you know like <laughs> like the when he's talking about the town he's like oh the parts i saw were so empty well you know was that because it was once it was once greatly populated, and now now the souls have uh-huh. gone on, and they're like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's because they kept fighting, and they were quarrelsome, right, and they kept, good, you know. Right. You know, it's so I mean, further, it was... further
1: and further away.
0: Yeah, so I mean, he brings up, uh, you know, which which I think it, it's a beautiful way that he, he brings the imagination into these questions that sometimes you know, enter our minds, you know, that, mm-hmm. well, maybe one day hell will be emptied and, you know, because God is love and, you know, that's the depth of our thinking with mm-hmm. regards to that. And, you know, so, you know, he, but he brings in these questions and he quickly kind of shuts them down. Now, I know, again, it's not meant to be a theological sure. text or anything, but it, that doesn't mean that it is completely uh, lacking of uh, theological no, 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 truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's got a lot of theology. It's uh, just not technical work in eschatology. Sure, but the uh, um, but I think also I think mean, you're right, and Jason, what you're saying. And in addition to that, um, I think it, one of the things that it highlights for us is just the the lie of sin, right? Yeah, that is sin. So often is depicted as glamorous, as fun, as um, interesting, etc. Really, sin is boring. It's dismal, right? You know, um, when you talk to those who have either have recovered either from maybe a, um you know pornographic addiction or mm-hmm. or or just a, a licentious lifestyle very often you know when they're being honest and talking you know um clearly and deeply about those matters um they'll confess right that that really there was just a sickness about it right a yeah. boredom with it right a frustration with their own uh life of um maybe sexual license or indulgence um And and that they came to really almost kind of hate it, (laughs) right? And and Lewis, I think, does a good job of pointing to the kind of unreality of sin Mm. or the way in which sin deprives us of real joys, right? Uh, Deprives us of real honor, of real pleasures, right? And really kind of lessens our life, right? We tend to think that sin is going to aggrandize our lives, right? Make them grow, make them better. But actually what sin does... Right, and what the way of death, death does is it corrupts our life it drains it right of uh meaning and purpose and, he, and and that comes through not only as depiction of hell but also as depiction of the damned right right so um when they uh when they're coming uh, on the bus out of 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 hell right mm-hmm. um they begin the, they get a first glimpse of heaven right yeah. and that first glimpse of heaven um is uh, is, dep- is depicted as this almost almost kind of uh, painful light invading the bus. Right. So they're, 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 they're taking this bus trip up from hell into heaven. And as they get close to heaven, the light from heaven shines into the bus and it's painful, right. Uh, to the damned. And I'm going to, uh, this is maybe not good podcasting practice, but I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to, uh, read uh, a passage here uh, from the text. This is in, um, the towards the end of chapter two. So this is the, the narrator speaking. He says, um, I glanced around the bus. Though the windows were closed and soon muffed, the bus was full of light. So the shades were pulled down. Mm-hmm. It was cruel light. I shrank from the faces and forms by which I was surrounded. They were all fixed faces, full not of possibilities, but impossibilities. Some gaunt, some glo- bloated, some glaring with idiotic ferocity, <laughs> some drowned beyond recovery and dreams, but all in one way or another distorted and faded. One had a feeling that they might fall to pieces at any moment if the light grew much stronger. Then there was a mirror on the end wall of the bus, and I caught sight of my own reflection, and still the light grew. So what a, I think it's a powerful yeah. depiction, right? of just the ugliness of sin. Right. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is that the faces are fixed. Right. Yeah. They're not open the possibilities. It's like, I don't know. It's like they're obsessed with something. Right. And they've become kind of statuesque. Trapped. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Statuesque or trapped in their sinfulness. Right. Um, I don't know.
0: what do you think about that Jason? Yeah, no, the the description there uh, it's just it's you know, it's beautiful. Some drowned beyond recovery and dreams. You know, it's <laughs> just right. yeah. I mean it's you know, uh it's clear. Clear what what mm-hmm. Lewis is trying to is what Lewis is trying to say here about mm. uh um about some of these uh people. But uh, but I think that the the other interesting thing with this with this passage is that he didn't he didn't notice these people like this before he only notices right. them, uh, in relation to the light. So when the that's light, right. when the light finally, you know, uh, 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 shined on them, he was able to, mm-hmm. to see the reality, which is before him, you know, right. and, and I think that's, I mean, it's a, you know, I think a beautiful metaphor for, for the intellectual life and the, mm-hmm. the role of grace, um, and sure. being able to see, uh see truth uh with mm-hmm. with the light of grace. Um but I think also it's 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 you know in it, it's similar with regards to um looking at ourselves um uh with God's grace, we see the reality of our sin. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, you know, when you read the lives of the saints uh um mm-hmm. when they talk about sin, I mean they do mm-hmm. not talk about it lightly. Sure. Uh, you know, even even you know, uh, you look at like Saint Francis, you know, of Assisi. I mm-hmm. mean, the dude just liked to get naked for all sorts of. You know, I think there's <laughs> several occasions in his in his story where he gets naked, but but one of them being, you know, he had this this uh, lustful situation, and so he disrobes and throws himself into a rose bush. You know, he does that because he has, uh, I think, because he has you know a similar light. And like like it says sure. there, he's he, you know I caught I caught sight of my own uh, reflection uh, right, um, right. that he sees he sees sin for, for what it is, and it is That's not right. pretty. Yeah, uh, we don't he didn't we don't try to justify it. We don't try to couch it in excuses mm-hmm. or you know even go into well I may be you know um, you know I may it may be serious, but I'm not culpable. You know I mean we, we don't we right, it, right. it's ugly period yeah right, uh you know right, there's yeah, there's yeah. no kind of two ways two ways about it um mm-hmm. so you know i mean the, the the clarity here but also just you know that we can see we could see more clearly even the bad mm-hmm. things even sure. the bad things in the light yeah
1: that's that's a good point jason just to follow up on that i, I think um certainly the uh the point you're talking about is illustrating the lives of the saints. Um, I think it's also something that we sometimes experience in reading sacred scripture.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think there are times, you know, reading the Psalms or, or the praying the Psalms or uh, reading, say, um, for myself anyways, especially the works of uh, St. Paul, mm-hmm. uh, the epistles, the Pauline epistles, where it's just really convicting, right? It hold, I mean, there's a, sometimes where, you know, scripture holds up a light to you, right? Yeah. you know, and in that light, you start to read yourself, right? You, get, you start to read yourself in the light of scripture. In the light of what uh, God has revealed, you're like, oh, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, uh, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and um, it's helpful when that happens. It's a, it's a, uh, um, that's a that's a um, that's a a painful experience, but a good experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and necessary. one of the things, yeah, uh, just one last point here before we move on that, um you know in that light he says you see the damned and it seems like at any moment they might fall to pieces yeah. i love that depiction right cuz so often sin seems strong and powerful but really right it's fragile it's perverted it's decline yeah. right it's not uh strong it's not grandiose right and uh we get as as the damned move off the bus and into he- uh, the edges of heaven yeah. right um the their own pro- like their own corruption becomes more and more evident, right? Yeah. Their own decline becomes more and more evident. He- the Edge of Heaven is depicted as this, as a beautiful kind of rolling plain, um, mostly grass, but with scattered woods, right? And out in the distance, you see these dramatic, beautiful mountains, that some of which go beyond, right, The the, the, the almost beyond the sky, right? They're yeah, so yeah, yeah. A, gigantic and majestic. Uh, Lewis consistently likes depicting what he calls deep heaven, right? Uh, As, as, as uh, being mountainous, uh, which is somebody who likes the mountains. Yeah. I'm cool with that. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) um, But anyways, um, the, um, one of the things that, that the Lewis uh, does there is he's, is he contrasts the ghost with their new surroundings, right? Yeah. And he describes the ghosts. he says, they look like smudges, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they get off the bus. And so it's like, as you were ta- like, talking about, just like they become less and less solid appearing, right? Against the backdrop of real reality, right? <laughs> Of true reality against that backdrop they just look like smudges yeah which
0: which i I think is a it's you know it reminds me of uh uh you know if you've ever driven with a dirty windshield and as Mm. soon as the as soon as you start driving into the sun every single smudge on your on your windshield (laughs) becomes Uh like evident if the sun's behind you you can't really uh-huh. see it, but if the sun's right in front of you, you see every little speck on your windshield. It's hard to see out of your windshield and other stuff. Uh-huh. But I, but but you know when you were reading the thing about you know the 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 light and you know making mm. it hard to see and stuff, you know but this I, came up. And then when he calls them smudges, you know, the, right. I just keep I just keep picturing this dirty windshield in in uh-huh. front of me uh-huh. that they're just these smudges on a on kind of uh-huh. a windshield. But yeah, I mean it. it it's. Uh, um, and I like when when he gets off, they all stay like kind of huddled by the bus. Mm-hmm. They don't, yeah, they don't know what to do. It's it's weird. It's awkward. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, he continues to depict heaven, right? This even just the edge of heaven as more solid and more real than yeah. anything in hell, than any of the smudges, uh, right, or this or the damn souls, right. Yeah. And so you know, he describes the grass as hard as rock, right? You know, and he tries to pick up like a leaf or a petal or something, I don't remember exactly what it is, but he can't lift it, it's so heavy, right? And he comes to realize like, oh, heaven's like this whole other kind of reality, right? And I'm going to use this phrase, true reality or real reality as we talk about this, which sounds redundant, but what I'm trying to illustrate here, and I think what Lewis is trying to illustrate, and this is just a classical Christian theme, is that we find our true being, right? Our true flourishing in God, in the mm-hmm. way of heaven, right? So when we deny ourselves some sin, right? It seems as if maybe I'm making my life less, but in fact, I'm not, right? Yeah. Actually, my life is becoming richer, right? Because I'm growing closer to God, right? Um, to he who is very being. So the um, uh, uh, that's a, a theme that he illustrates, right? By just depicting sort of, the edge of heaven as being more solid heavier denser right uh than anything that the ghost can actually uh handle
0: yeah when he talks about the when he talks about the grass it's great you know he's like you know what i think one of the ghosts like tries to like uh coach him and says oh you know your feet aren't hard enough to walk on the grass yet you know, you know maybe <laughs> right. one day they'll be hard enough you know like it's right. uh yeah. oh it's yeah. so funny
1: so then uh in contrast to the damned right we get the uh the saints right Yeah. so not only do the damned get to go to uh the edge of heaven but uh saints come and meet and greet them right they come down from the mountains and uh these are our you know um you know uh, glorified christians right um christians who have who have made it through and um they uh they come down and try to help right the ghost you know, coach them up as you say, right? And 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 lead them into heaven, right? Mm-hmm. So not only do they get to be here uh, on this, on the uh, on the edge of heaven, but they also get the opportunity to um, to be taught, right, by godly people, right, and people mm-hmm. who are more real than they are. Yeah, right? he even so,
0: he even calls them the solid people. <laughs> that's right,
1: the solid people. The right. solid and, people. and he says, yeah, you know, he says of them. Before before they even get there, they could hear them, right? Because uh, uh, they were so uh, heavy, right? Yeah. And so real. You can just think of something like, um, uh, um, I don't know, like giants, but good giants or something like that, right? <laughs> um, so let's uh, see, so I'm going to read a uh, another passage here uh, that depicts the saints. Um, and it's, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, and again, meant to illustrate the difference of the ways, mm-hmm. right? If you follow the way of death, right? If you follow the way of hell, you become a smudge, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you follow uh, the way of heaven, you become a glorified saint, almost kind of, uh, you know, semi divine or something like that, right? So here's uh, this is uh, again, this is towards um, this is in uh, chapter three. Long after that, I saw people coming to meet us. Because they were bright, I saw them while they were still very distant. And at first, I did not know what that they were people at all. Mile after mile, they drew near. The shook under their tread as their strong feet sank into the wet turf. A tiny haze and a sweet smell went up where they had crushed the grass and scattered the dew. Remember, right, that the damned can't crush any grass, yeah. right? But the saints come, come tromping along, and they crushed the grass under their feet. Some were naked, some ro- robed. But the naked ones did not seem less adorned, and the robes in that disguise and those who wore them, the massive grandeur of muscle and the radiant smoothness of flesh. Some were bearded, but no one in the company struck me as being of any particular age. One gets glimpses, even in our own country, of that which is ageless, heavy thought in the face of an infant, and frolic childhood in that of a very old man. Here it was like that. They came on steadily. I did not entirely like it. (laughs) Two of the coasts screamed and ran for the bus. The rest of us huddled closer to one another. (laughs) I think it's a great depiction, right, of here are the saints, right? I mean, what a, like a, I don't know. I mean, that, that, you know, uh, one of my favorite priests, uh, he uh, quotes one of his teachers uh, (laughs) uh, uh, to this effect that um, one of his teachers had told him, you know, uh, gentlemen, we're not here to slog it out for mediocrity, but we're here to sprint for glory. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, that's right on, right? And like that kind of passage, you know, depiction of the saints, man, that makes you that that makes you want to sprint for glory, right? The yeah. glory of heaven, right? Um it's such a great depiction of these solid, beautiful, radiant, you know, purified Christian souls, right? Um, that that we find at the end of, right, It is the yeah. culmination of. Right. The, living out the way of heaven.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, going back to reality, as we often do, the, the reality mm-hmm. is that in the end, you are either going to be a glorious, triumphant heaven or a tragic right. failure in hell. Yes. There is yeah. nothing. There is nothing in the middle. There is I mean, mm-hmm. even, even Pope Francis, when he came out with his letter on holiness in the very beginning of it, he said there is no mediocrity in holiness. It's, mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, you know, right. and so I mean, the, this idea that you know I'm gonna um aim for purgatory or something like that, <laughs> right. you know, that's that's not a way that's not a way uh to to live by that that and again based based upon the reality that is to come, it's either gonna sure. be a great tragedy or or a yeah. great triumph. Uh, there is there right. is no other there is no other possibility, uh, that is yeah. there. Uh, and, and then again, yeah, I'm sure you're happy that he uh, mentions that some were bearded. So there is hope for That's right. That's uh, right. Dr. I was Smith. thinking
1: about that, Jason, and your lack of beardedness. Uh, <laughs> no. i decided that I'm going to try to make up for your lack of beardedness by growing mine out more. <laughs> <laughs> so, since you're depriving the world of the degree of beardedness they should have. It's true. It should. It ought to have, right? Yeah. That's cute.
0: That's right. Um, yeah. Good job. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean...
1: I love this book for that reason, right? It's just so deeply, uh, so clearly illustrates, right? The flourishing grandeur on the one hand and the diminished uh, sort of mediocrity, as you put it, uh, with respect to sin on the other. He goes through, uh, he goes, continues on uh, to illustrate, um, illustrate these points by going through some various scenes with different uh, saints and sinners, you can mm-hmm. say, right? So, um the, a lot of the, the action when the rest of the book um, to, uh, involves conversations conversations between um, uh, saints and between um, some of the damned who have come up right to um, uh, to heaven and one of the ones that uh, I know you know uh, so it's weird to say this but <laughs> there are favorite scenes right? yeah <laughs> and your favorite <laughs> their favorite uh, damned right uh, and one of my favorites is the Episcopal ghost yeah right um now i think by episcopal he, i think lewis means church of england bishop yeah uh, i think is what he means uh, given the context there and this is somebody who had spoken up earlier i think on the bus it's not absolutely clear that these two are the same guy but i think they are because he's described as the intelligent man sure and some of the things sort of seem similar so uh you could call him the episcopal ghost or you could call him the apostate <laughs> and in an age in which, you know, even in Lewis's time, people were beginning to think there's no such thing as apostasy. There's no such thing as heresy, right? Yeah. Uh, Lewis is going to say straightforwardly, false. <laughs> right? uh, there was, uh, there is such a thing as heresy. There is such a thing as apostasy. And you can go to hell for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um and uh, uh, this is this uh, is depicted, and I think a lot about apostasy, especially in its modern setting, is disclosed and revealed in this conversation. You do you remember this this scene, Jason?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it says very very clearly, like you like uh, when they were talking about you know why he went to hell. It literally mm-hmm. says like you went there because you were an apostate, like. <laughs> It was not like, (laughs) well, you did all these things and the aggregate of these things put you in hell. No, you went there because of this one thing,
1: period. To this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that Lewis does so well in this and in other works is just uh, cuts through all of the um, rubbish. Yes. (laughs) Overcomplicated. Overly subtle rubbish, right? That clouds Christian thinking at certain times, right? Um, so the the saint who comes to, to meet this uh, uh, meet the apostate ghost is a younger man, right? That mm-hmm. is uh, someone who was, I think, a student maybe, um, or at least a protege of the apostate ghost, and um, he comes to him, and and you know the apostate ghost. is is happy to see him at first, right? He's like, oh, my dear boy, it's so good to see you. Uh, You remember those great conversations we used to have? I was just talking about you the other day, that sort of thing. So these are people who, uh, and, and you and I have both had, you know, these kinds of relationships, Jason. I think, you know, certain people who you're, have a certain kind of intellectual friendship with sure. right like you like you get together and you just like to talk about theology and philosophy and stuff yeah. like that right and that's very edifying and and could be very good uh, I like to call them um, from time to time I have what I call a three hour philosophy lunch right and you know, <laughs> yeah I don't get to do that too often we don't talk about the do. way that I'm always, yeah I'm always uh, delighted right um, uh, um, because it's such a uh, so much fun the exchange of ideas and that sort of thing but of course, It can go the other way, (laughs) right? It can go from being edifying. And we don't think about this very often. Um, It can go from being edifying to actually corrupting, right? That is uh, some ideas, right? Some ways of thinking are, um, uh, lead us into error and can even lead us uh, into hell. And I know here at Catholic Studies Academy, it's one of the things we want to address. So part of the way of hell, right? is involves, certain corrupt ways of thinking mm-hmm. and part of the way of heaven involves certain healthy, right? And true and authentic ways of thinking. So at one point, the apostate goes after sort of um, uh, talking, you know, uh, after greeting um, the saint says, you know, well, I guess at this point you, you've come to understand that some of your ideas later in life, forget it, were obviously false, right? He says, uh, my dear boy, you were almost coming to believe in a literal heaven and hell. Right. Yeah. Now, this. Whenever I sit here somebody say, "Well, I don't believe in a literal hell," I think maybe mm, you ever read C.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to revise. That's right. <laughs> right. One day, one day you will. One That's day you right. will. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, it might be a surprise and not a good one. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the uh the apostate ghost, right? <clears throat> Uh, you know, he's denying that there's a literal hell and, and the, the saint says, well, where do you think you've been? Right. And he calls it like the, the, the town of, of promise or something like that. The town of endless hope yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. He says, well, it's the, the gray it's, 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 uh, uh our, our hope uh, you know, springs eternal. He says, you know, uh, I'm still looking for the, I'm still seeking the kingdom. Right, yeah know? it's like i, I don't would, think we ever we gave know, it a name Jason, have you ever heard that, that 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 line right we're all seeking for the kingdom we're all looking yeah. for the kingdom right um yeah anyways <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh, uh you know and and he says uh and then the, the, the apostate asked the saying like, so well what do you call the place i've been and he says hell right? we call it hell <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> actually good the, the saying is just so clear and literal and concise, even sort of laconic at times. Um, uh, but uh, whereas the the other ghost, right? I mean, his whole his whole uh, approach is very uh, typical of what Lewis would would have identified and did identify as uh, theological liberalism. Yeah, I think what Catholics would call uh, modernism, right? Um, and, uh, they're very similar movements in both the Protestant and Catholic church, um, churches where you had this sort of tendency to downgrade the supernatural, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Um, and reinterpret everything in terms of one's own personal experience, right. or personal, uh, subjective experience. And that's really what we get from the ghost, right? Like he, he is the apostate ghost keeps, he doesn't really believe in the genuine supernatural. Right. He doesn't believe in um in some kind of um reality he keeps saying you keep he keeps criticizing the, the the saint by saying you keep talking about it as if it's just real as if it just <laughs> exists right you know and whereas you know this ghost wants to you know kind of interpret it in a spiritual emotional you know kind of way and and the ghost i mean the saints say, like, no stop it <laughs> right it's not to be interpreted in some sort of weird spiritual or emotional way it is reality yeah right um i don't know what do, you, what do you think about that i mean jason i mean you're like obviously the people who say things like you know well he's you know who want to spiritualize the resurrection right oh it's yeah, a, yeah you know example of this sort of thing
0: yeah it's it's just hogwash and it, it reminds me so one of some of my studies i did over in uh maryville institute in birmingham england and so you know i i you know I I did take a trip to to Oxford and I went and had a beer at the Eagle and the Child it was great. Nice. Um and uh um but one of my one of my uh, professors over there was a great English priest uh named Father John Redford um who who uh very it, he was in charge of uh, apologetics and that was his area of of expertise. Um and you know he went into a very similar uh thing when he was talking about just at least there even in even in England talking talking about how the just the the over mystification of mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. point of denying any sort of supernatural mm-hmm. that it was all just kind of this experiential reality mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and and he talked about how he said if if um uh, he was talking specifically about some some Protestants there that he said if these Protestants you know if they actually published uh what they believed uh their congregations would leave them and so they don't um, mm. um, because they, they're, you know, there's no real hell, you know, mm. we're all just going to kind of go to heaven and then, you know, what the heck, why am I coming to church? You know, why am I, why <laughs> am I doing all these things? You know, mm. the other thing it reminds me of is, you know, um, or uh, uh, Peter Kraft has this great line about, uh, modern, m- some modern theologians that they, mm. they, they sell their, they sell their souls for 30 pieces of scholarship. Um, uh, right. That they that they 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 what they really hold of value mm-hmm. is being relevant and novel, yeah. and their mm-hmm. thinking in front of their yeah. peers, as right. opposed to being right, even mm-hmm. if that means not saying anything novel. Mm-hmm. They would they would rather be novel than correct, and yeah. that yeah. kind of that kind of pride is exactly what. What, he, sure. what he's talking about here, because the bishop, you know, one of the things he brings up is, you know, uh, uh, he says, it, it, you know, it came popularity, sales of your books, invitations, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. a bishopric,
1: you know, like, uh, uh, <laughs> like well, those are the things, those are the things he got out of it. Right. So, yeah, I think the saint actually says that because he's saying, look, you didn't, this wasn't heroic. This wasn't brave. You were just saying what was actually popular. Right. Yeah. And you got good things from it. Right. Um and I think that's a really good uh good point. I mean, here's the thing is uh I think um with what you're talking about there uh, uh Jason there's a, there's terms for it and that's human respect mm-hmm. would be one way of putting it, right? Uh or Vanity, right? Yeah, you know that you know wanting the praise of the scholarly community, not wanting to appear too simple or crude or primitive, wanting to appear sophisticated and be praised, right? Those are things that 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 drive a lot of people, um, especially within academia, especially within the world of uh, research and scholarship. Uh, and you know, as he's going through, you know, one of the hallmarks of his position, right, is this denial of supernatural reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know the saint tries to keep leading him back to this, right? Say, say, look, this is this is real, and and you know the the the, the Episcopal ghost says, you know, I don't quite get your point. <laughs> 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 it's so frustrating. Yeah, for being such a saying, smart guy, he's so stupid. It <laughs> just... says I'm not trying to make a point. Just <laughs> repent. And believe, and let's go. right? Yeah. All he really wants to do is just go. Let's just go to heaven, right? Just stop all this talking. Shut up for a minute, and let's just go to heaven. It's right over there, right? Yeah. Let's just go. Let's walk, right? I can point at it, right? Um, uh. And he says, "Oh, well, you know, would I? There? I mean, I need some conditions to be confirmed first, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, this is his great mistake, right? He 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 says that you know I want I want room for the play, the free play of the intellect, right? And uh, and the saint says, well, if you want what the intellect was made for, then you will have that, right, richly, right? Yeah. But if you don't want that, right, and that is if you don't want the truth, then no. Like you can't, in heaven, truth will be made manifest, mm-hmm. right? The, the, it'll, there'll be maybe learning in a sense and, and intellectual growth but there won't be any mystery about the nature of truth, right? <laughs> right? About, about reality. This is one last passage I just wanna read here um, uh, because it's, it's so, so good. Um, he says, uh, the saint says at one point, you know, uh, uh, you need to, uh, says, listen, once you were a child, once you knew what inquiry or reason was for, there was a time when you asked questions because you wanted answers yeah. and were glad when you had found them. Become that child again. And then the ghost responds, but I put away childish things. And the saint replies, you have gone far wrong. Thirst was made for water, inquiry for truth. What you call now the free play of inquiry has neither more nor less to do with the ends for which intelligence was given you than masturbation has to do with marriage. Those are strong words, right? I mean, he's saying like, look, masturbation doesn't have anything to do with marriage. And he's saying the way you use your intellect is masturbatory. Right, it's not. It's not the you know reason is to to continue the analogy. Reason is to be consummated, right, in the truth. In the truth, right. Right. And the ghost responds. He says, "If we cannot be reverent, then there is at least no need to be uh, obscene." (laughs) He goes on. Um, He says, "In any case, that question and answer conception of thought only applies to matters of fact. Religious and speculative questions are surely on a different level." right? And the ghost says, we know nothing of religion here. We think only of Christ. We know nothing of speculation. Come and see, and I will bring you to eternal fact, the father of all other facthood. And then I'll I'll stop here. But He says, then the, um, the ghost responds, I should object very strongly to describing God as a fact. The supreme value would surely be less inadequate description. It is hardly – he's like, do you not even believe that he exists? Exists? <laughs> what do you mean? Just, you, go on, you, keep, you keep acting as if he's this ready-made reality out there. You know, the saints it's like, yes, he yes. is, right? yes. <laughs> But this is, I think, you know, so helpful because there's so much, uh, you know, to be frank, kind of religious blather and theological nonsense um, that, you know, you encounter, that's all, and I'm sure Jason, in your own work, you, you've, you've encountered this. It's really all about, you know, your own feelings, your own psychology, uh, your own, you know, so-called mystical experiences. Um, but, but doesn't have to do with the fact, the, the, the reality, right. Of God. And isn't focused really on truth, right. The truth about God, right. It's, it's focused on something else. Yeah. The truth about God.
0: Yeah. Many times it's, it's focused on, um, well, each person in in one way or the other, you know, needs to form their own faith as opposed to, well, no, we need to be formed by the faith, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to be writing our own creeds. We need to mm-hmm. let the creed that was given to us form us. You know, one of my, one of my favorite quotes is in this little section uh, with regards to the bishop. And he says, having allowed oneself to drift, unresisting, unpraying, Accepting every half conscious solicitation from our desires, we reached a point where we no longer believe the faith um, yeah, right I mean he just no. brings up brings up anything in there you know um the importance of prayer, the importance Ooh. of resisting temptation, you know because I think a lot of people you know they get to a point where it's easier to find justifications for mm-hmm. their sin mm-hmm. than to mm-hmm. resist their sin and so they do that and they do mm-hmm. that by accepting every half conscious solicitation you know uh, mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of of our desires and just uh half conscious you know theology from uh uh from people out there that again um are are basing it on this kind of idea of of being novel and being uh, relevant mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and speaking right. to the person and you know we couch it in all sorts of terms and and everything mm-hmm.
1: um being relevant that's yeah what, yeah
0: uh, yeah, yeah no.
1: <laughs> it needs to be relevant. <laughs>
0: no it needs to be right it needs to be real it needs to be true <laughs> it needs to be true, right? <laughs> to be yeah. true. like
1: yeah. yeah it's relevant if it's true if it's not true it's not relevant yeah and, and everything besides. that is true <laughs> is relevant like that's it's that's a, the exactly. other thing that's right, that's yeah. maddening
0: but uh, <laughs> that's right, that's right. all right, well, well, we'll pick this up uh, uh, next time uh, on the podcast as well. We'll continue our talk about um, the great divorce and C.S. Lewis. Uh, in the meantime, uh, allow—do not allow yourself to drift. Resist yeah. sin. Keep praying. Do not accept every half-conscious yeah.
1: solicitation from your desires, yeah.
0: and believe uh-huh. in the faith. Uh, uh, that's right,
1: to- that's right. Yeah, and and think for the sake of truth. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, look for the, the real reality, the, the, the yes, true right. reality. All right, friends. Well, uh, check us out at catholicsaysacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.